Um, Open up your Bibles to Acts chapter 19, and we'll be there. Listen, if you don't have a Bible, we'd love to give you one, okay? We've got these free Bibles to hand out. Don't feel weird about this. We give them out every single week. If you don't have one, grab one, and please follow along with us as we go through the Word of God today. Anybody just raise your hand. The guys will bring them to you, okay? Um, Acts chapter 19, starting in verse 21. Uh, If you don't know where we've been, let me give you just a really, really quick recap. We've been in the book of Acts. Acts is the story of the early church. It's Jesus saying, hey, take the gospel to the world. And so they begin to take the gospel to the world, and the church is formed, and they begin to do work throughout the region. Okay, We've seen God show up in miraculous ways and incredible ways, saving people, changing culture, and today is, is much the same. Now, if you were with us last week, Anthony preached uh, and talked about this idea that what you believe matters. Okay? Uh, what you believe matters. And if you didn't have an opportunity last week to be here to hear that, I would highly encourage you to go back and listen to it because I think that line is just so true. Okay? And, and I was sitting there last week just thinking, man, that, that, is, that is spot on because in our culture where there is consistently a new ideology and a new thought and a new vision and a new thing every single day that you're bombarded with, believe this, love this, cherish this, follow this, right? Um, In the midst of all of that, there has to be something where we understand that what we believe in the midst of all the craziness actually matters. Now, here's what I think we've done in our culture, though. I think our culture would not debate this idea that what you believe matters. I think they would debate where the emphasis is in that line. So when we say what you believe matters, our emphasis is on the belief, right? What you actually believe matters. But our culture, I think, has put the, 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 most of the emphasis on the you, right? So it's what you believe matters, not what you believe matters, right? So in this culture, it's all about you in a subjective reality. People say, well, I kind of believe this, and I believe this, and that is what is most important, is you being the center of that line. We want to clarify, and we think the gospel is, is calling people out in the region to say, no, no, it's not what you believe, it's what you believe, right? It's, it's the belief, it's, it's, the, it's the, uh, the, the, what's the word? This, not the stuff, that's definitely not the right word. The content of your belief. Stuff equals content here, okay? So it's the content of what you believe that, that is important. It is going to have application to your life. It's going to have application to what you do, how you do it, how you treat other people, what you believe about God, and so on and so forth. And so what we see in the text today is this consistent pushing of gospel truth these true beliefs up against a culture of false ideology. And the reality about idols in our world is that they hate truth. And the falsities of the world, false beliefs in our world lead to great idols. And what we get to see is, again, the gospel pushing up against false idols and bringing truth where there is falsity. Now, uh, I, I probably could share a thousand stories, and you could come up with some as well, that, that kind of highlight the importance of believing what is actually true and not what is false. Now, in marriage, this is super important, right? Because a lot of times when, when you're married or if you're in a relationship or even with your best friend, right? Like, if you believe something wrongly about a situation, you will treat your spouse in a way you shouldn't, right? Like, if you have a certain window or lens on how things just went down, you will act a certain way. So because my mom is here uh, visiting, hi mom, uh, this story popped into my mind, and I've shared it here once before years ago, but again, it popped in my mind again, so I thought I'd do it again. But years ago, I think, I don't even know if I, how old I was or what, but uh, all of a sudden, uh, my dad comes home, and there is 
a bouquet of flowers sitting on the uh, dining room table, okay? And, and he goes, he's like, well, that's interesting. I, I, didn't, I didn't buy flowers. I mean, it's just a beautiful bouquet of roses, and it's, it's just really nice. And so he goes, and he, and he looks at the little card that has a name on it, and it says, Walter Daly, right? And my dad, right, starts turning red and starts fuming. Who is Walter Daly, right? And so then my mom comes into the room fuming. He, you know, is upset and says, well, who's Walter Daly? You know, and he's, he's just going at my mom because in his mind, the truth is now that he's created is that Walter Daly, this random man, is sending his wife flowers, okay? So my mom says, what are you talking about? That's what she sounds like. I love you. This kid, she doesn't sound like that. She's Asian. And so um, I'm not going to do the voice. She hates it. Should I do it? No, I'm not going to do it. Okay. So she says, what are you talking about? You know, he says, Walter Daly. Who's Walter Daly? And she looks at the card and she starts to laugh. And then this just only enrages him more because how is she now laughing at her adulterous affair? Okay. She says, Kevin, my dad's name. It says water daily. Water, they're flowers, Kevin. Water the flowers daily, right? Now, now, in retrospect, looking back at that story, that's hilarious, right? But in the moment, right, my dad's truth was that his wife was cheating on him, and he had to figure all this out. But that was wrong the whole time. And his actions then were not justified. He was foolish because he forgot how to read for a moment, okay? So here, truth matters, even the most insignificant things, right? Because then it leads you to action. What you believe about circumstance, about life, and certainly about God and the Bible will lead you towards action, and it will take you closer to the Lord or farther away, and it will lead people either closer to the Lord or farther away. Okay, and and as, as the Christian, if that's your story in the room, man, we want to go closer and pursue the Lord. We want to lead other people that direction. Okay, so truth is so important. So what we get to see today in this story is this very tangible movement of God as the gospel penetrates throughout the region and calls out false belief. Now, now some false belief that we'd say, ah, it's not that big a deal, right? Um, but no, it has led to action that has caused a whole people throughout Ephesus and the whole region to rebel against God. And yet the truth is going to want to come in and set them free. And this is kind of the dilemma that we get in the whole thing. So Acts 19, starting in verse 21, follow along. Now after these events, Paul resolved in the spirit to pass through Macedonia and Achaia and go to Jerusalem, saying, after I have been there, I must also see Rome. And having sent into Macedonia two of his helpers, Timothy and Erastus, he himself stayed in Asia for a while. And about that time, there arose no little disturbance concerning the way. Okay, so everything was going fairly well for the church at this point. Okay, there, there was no kind of giant rebellions. There was no mass persecution. So things seemed to be going good. They had recently won a court case, if you're with us, just a couple weeks ago. So things for the church seemed to be moving and progressing well. But again, every single time that gospel truth finally butts up against an idol, that's when things begin to blow up. And that's the story that we get for the rest of this thing. Now, this is just true of any relationship you have in life, especially if you have kids. Like, everything is great with Finley and I until I have to tell him no, right? Until I tell him some different truth that he doesn't want to listen to. Last night, we were getting sushi, picking up sushi from Teppan Fuji, which does a two for $14 special on Saturday nights. Highly recommend it, okay? Um, So... 
he's there and he's walking around these benches and up on the wall are these, these metal uh, like flower arrangements, right, that are kind of heavy and they're being held up by two tiny nails, which is just a terrible idea on their part, but whatever. And so I say, Finley, and he's, you know, he's going to grab it and he say, don't touch that. Like, you will hurt yourself. You don't know. I know. This is a bad idea. Don't do it. And so what does he do? <laughs> and knocks it, right? And then the thing towers down to the chair, it smacks him pretty much like right in the face, kind of blows him back. And in the moment, I'm having two emotions. And one emotion is, oh no, I hope you're okay. But the more, more powerful emotion is, I'm glad that happened, so now you know, right? <laughs> like natural consequences are the best for a parent. It's like, this is fantastic. Like I didn't have to do anything. You screwed up yourself, right? And so, so this falls to the ground. And, and in the midst of this entire thing, as I'm telling him no, he is what? Rebelling. And saying, no, no, I know better than you. Every single time in life that the truth, the goodness, pushes up against a false belief and understanding, there will be trouble. Guarantee it. And this is true for every single one of you in here. That, that if you continue, listen, if you're here and you're a Christian, and you continue to read, I mean, you get into the scriptures, and you keep showing up here or other places where hopefully gospel truth is being preached, then you should feel uncomfortable. Unless you're perfect, right? If you're here and you're perfect, you have no idols, fantastic, way to go, you can go, right? But no, 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 this, this, this happens to us and this is okay. So if you're here and you're feeling, as we go through this, this conviction, this, man, this push up against, this want to push back type of feeling, that is normal because that is what happens. It's what we do with that feeling, right? It's what we do with that emotion. We, we push farther into the gospel truth and that's hopefully what we get to see. But we're going to see three different responses from the people as the gospel is preached here in this region. Okay, So let's continue on. Verse 24. For a man named Demetrius, a silversmith who made silver shrines of Artemis, brought no little business to the craftsmen. These he gathered together with the workmen in similar trades and said, Men, you know that from this business we have our wealth. And you see and hear that not only in Ephesus, but in almost all of Asia, this Paul is persuaded to turn a great many people saying that gods made with hands are not gods. And there is a danger not only that this trade of ours may come into disrepute, but also that the temple of the great goddess Artemis may be counted as nothing, and that she may even be deposed from her magnificence, she whom all Asia and the world worship. Now, let's recap what's going on here. Now, you've got this guy, Demetrius. He's a silversmith. He's making silver shrines for uh, the god Artemis and the temple of Artemis. If, if you're more into kind of Roman mythology, that would be uh, Diana, okay? So the goddess Diana. And so he's making these shrines for them. And so the gospel is pushing into his city and he begins to look out at the landscape, smart guy, and says, you know what? This is bad for business, right? Because if all of a sudden, if everyone in the region starts giving up the purchase of their idols, right? Giving up these silver shrines, starts giving up their magic books in pursuit of this other God and, said, and saying like, no, no, I'm going for Jesus now. All of a sudden, this guy's livelihood is gone, right? So, so he is rightfully kind of saying, man, th this is going to tear me apart. Like if, they, if everyone stops following Artemis, I'm out of a job. And so we begin to see these idols that are already beginning to come to the surface for this one guy. Now, I think there's part of us that would look at the story and say, well, that's just kind of messed up, you know? That, that, that this thing would come in and take away this guy's livelihood. And, and you're like, well, that, that's just kind of, that's just not right. Listen, you have to understand that, listen, this is God's grace to Demetrius that he would come and bring the gospel to that region. 
Because as it is right now, Demetrius is headed towards and pursuing truth that is not true at all. And because that's what's true for him, it leads him towards paths of anger and resentment when real truth comes in. When this gospel truth comes in about a real God who is, is, is there and created everything and is, and is not there and formed by, by man's hands, but God formed him and vice versa and all these amazing things. And of course, the life and death of Jesus and his subsequent resurrection, like all of these truths coming forward, man, th- this, th- it, this should be good news for him, but instead it's, it's not because he has these false beliefs about what's true. And he has so raised up these idols in his own life, the first one being money. Right? And, and, and I think we're, we're fools to think like this is just a problem 2,000 years ago. Okay? Like, like money, there's, there's a reason why I mean, money gets mentioned so often by Christ. Because he knows how deeply it ensnares the heart of man. And that, that does not change just because we live in 2017 in America. I mean, gosh, money has overwhelmed and won over the hearts of millions and billions of people, right? You, you, you sacrifice people for the sake of money, right? You, you, okay, uh, Christian, you sacrifice generosity for the sake of your bank account, and, and I do too, right? Like, this is, it's always this, uh, I, I really, let, let me, you know what? Like, I'll give just enough, but let's make sure, like, I'm real good. Now, now, if that's the ethic of Scripture, then, then I'm confused. But constantly, the, this idol of money, this is the first one that, that Paul, I'm sure, had to deal with, and with, with this guy, Demetrius. This individual uh, celebration of wealth and money. Now, now, here's the issue. Constantly throughout this, the importance, and we're going to really land with this later. But what you see is Paul has never, he hasn't gone at Demetrius. Like, for all we know, Paul and Demetrius have yet to even meet. But Demetrius had already kind of formed these opinions and thoughts about Paul and about the gospel. Paul never came in and started attacking Artemis to Artemis, right? He, he never went before the people. We have no record of him going before the people and saying, man, this God that you worship, here's all the things that's wrong with her and the worship of her. Rather, what we see constantly is what he is doing is he is evangelizing, which means to herald, evangel, to herald, to make much of something. And so he is evangelizing and sharing the gospel about Jesus, right? So he's just saying, hey, this is Jesus. This is what he's done. And listen, if now people see this as the better way, that's not on me. I mean, this is, and I, you know, I'm not like making a proponent like capitalism is a great thing, but this is capitalism at its best, right? Like Paul had a better product than Demetrius. Demetrius was offering up this false shrine to this thing that they made. And then Paul's offering up the God of the universe in Christ who lived, died, and rose from the dead to deliver and bring freedom to all people. Okay? He's just got a better product. And it feels weird, I don't, you know, saying it that way, but that's, that's really what's going on here. And it's like, listen, when, when, when there's a better product, people flock to it, and the other ones just kind of die away. And that's what's going on. But Demetrius, no, wrapped up in his false belief, does not see it as so, because he has his eyes on other things. 
Okay, and then the, the second kind of form of idolatry is more this, this corporate idea. And this is what he uses to kind of come at the rest of the people. This civic pride and this, this understanding of who Artemis is and the renown of the city. We are the home of Artemis. We are, we are you know, in that type of idea. And gosh, man, if, if we don't think that exists in our culture today, we're fools, Right? I mean, I can't tell you how many, how many Christians, and I'm from the South, and so I think it may be even a little more rampant there. I mean, they exalt this nation over God's people. They exalt the United States of America over the kingdom of God. And if, listen, if you are a citizen of the kingdom of God, you are a Christian, then that is number one. And so, so we, we have this for sure. Okay, in Flagstaff, how, if you've been driving around, and maybe some of you have this in your bumper sticker, I'm not even trying to critique you right now, but again, I'm just preaching Jesus, so if you feel bad, that's on you, okay? Um, the Don't Phoenix Flag sticker, right? So, so from, from, I get it, right? Like, we're Flagstaff. We kind of have this identity. We don't want just all this big business. We're local. We're all that, right? But this whole idea of Don't Phoenix Flag is so rooted in an unnecessary pride, like, it's, hey, no, we're Flagstaff, right? Like, we're, we're better than the other cities down there, right? Our people are better than their people. Our industry and commerce is better. Our mountain, and on and on and on. You're like that. So, you're like, you, if I sit down and talk to you, none of you are going to really say those, all those lines, but that's what you're really saying. But Why? And I've seen people kind of die on this hill of like, well, don't Phoenix. And it's like, man, that, who cares? If that has become something that supersedes people. And oftentimes I've seen it in conversations. That's exactly what it does. Uh, we have this certain identity as a, as a city. And if we were to break outside that identity for the sake of other people that don't look like us, that, man, we couldn't do that. And so whatever it is, I think there are these, these corporate ideologies of the day that we raise and hold up, and, and oftentimes they're very political. And, man, we hold those in esteem above people. That's just foolish and not the way of the gospel. Okay. And they're doing the same thing here. So let's keep going. Let's see how they respond to, uh, to this going down. Okay, Verse 28. When they heard this, they were enraged and were crying, Great is the Artemis of the Ephesians. So the city was filled with the confusion. They rushed together into the theater, dragging with them Gaius and Aristarchus, Macedonians who were Paul's companions in travel. But when Paul wished to go in and among the crowd, the disciples would not let him. And even some of the Asiarchs, who were friends of his, sent to him and were urging him not to venture into the theater. Now some cried out one thing, some another, for the assembly was in confusion. And most of them did not even know why they had come together. Some of the crowd prompted Alexander, whom the Jews had put forward. And Alexander, motioning with his hand, wanted to make a defense to the crowd. But when they recognized that he was a Jew, for about two hours, they all cried out with one voice, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. For two hours, these people. So the first response we often see when, when idolatry is confronted by the gospel is a double up in the idolatry. It's, ah, no thanks. You're wrong, or I don't even care. And I will go doubly the other direction, Okay. Often, man, I'll, I'll meet with a lot of people, right? And a lot of times I say, hey, man, that, that's going to destroy you. Like, that's just a terrible idea. And then, like, the next day, it's, like, twice as bad as it was the day before. And, the, and the, here's the thing. This thing about idols is that they always fail you, okay? And we've talked about this here before. This is not new. But idols will always fail you. They cannot add up. Even Artemis, right? So Artemis is this, this great goddess of the empire, Okay, the great goddess here in Ephesians, they have their own temple, the whole deal. But man, if you even just go back and look at the narrative of Artemis in their mythology, it's crazy. 
okay? So she, her brother, she's a twin, okay, with Apollo, okay? So her and Apollo, in Greek mythology, they're born, she comes out first, and as the narrative goes, she then became the midwife for her brother. So in other words, she delivered her brother right after being born, okay? Now, I've been at two births, okay? And Finley and James, when they first came out, they were not about to deliver a new baby, okay? Like it, it's like they don't do anything at all other than cry, okay? And yet she turns around and delivers her brother, okay? So, so now we hear this, like, that is just absolutely bonkers, right? Like, it's just foolishness. But these are the things that were believed, like, because this was just kind of the tradition of the day. And the traditions of the day are not gospel truth. And, and hear me, when it comes to civic pride, religious pride, personal pride, all that stuff, man, the traditions that we have surrounding in and around us that we hold and cling so tightly to, they are not gospel truth unless they are the same as what the gospel says. And we could run through dozens of ones that are running through my head right now that we embrace here in our culture, both, I mean, in the church, out of the church, as Americans, like th this tradition, like we have to, man, no, no, no. Like if you're rejoicing in any tradition over the gospel, that is idolatry. I don't care how deeply rooted that tradition is. It doesn't matter. And again, I, there's, so, there's so many things I want to say right now, but I just feel like I don't want to deal with all the emails. Okay? And that's unfortunate. Okay? But that's the reality. So they're pushing up against this, this, this pride, and yet they double up then in their idolatry, just chanting continuously the name. Okay, now I, what I find funny even about this is the people who have gathered to come and rebel and say like, oh, you're wrong and you're crazy. It even, it even says right here in the text, man, they didn't even know why they were there. Like some people, listen, like a lot of times people are rebelling against the gospel just because that's what kind of people do. That's just, that's, again, that's foolish. And if that's your story here, whether, whether you're a Christian, you're rebelling against some aspect of what the Bible's calling you to just because, ah, that's just what people do. Ah, that's silly. Okay, if you're here and you're a non-Christian, you're just rebelling against the gospel because that's what general culture does. That's just foolish. Okay? Like, the, these people are arriving and they're fighting back and they don't even know why. Okay? I remember when, when we were in high school, me and my buddies, we used to run through the clubhouse at, at, at this little community that we all lived in. And we would just run through there screaming, right? And then just causing just havoc. You didn't even, sorry, Mom, you didn't know this. Um, I wasn't a Christian, okay, so, you know, not, I can't blame me, um, but we just run through screaming and just cause an uproar, and then people would start running out following us, thinking something terrible had happened, okay, uh, yeah, it's terrible stuff, right, the, and, and a lot of crazy stuff has happened since the days we were doing that, we would never do that today, if you're here, Gerald, don't you think it, bro, I know, you're over there, like, devising something with Joey, okay, um, people just follow without thinking. Don't be those people. It, it, hear me, especially if you're here and you're non-Christian, listen, I, I did that for a long time. I did that for 18 years of my life. I just, I just said, ah, I, you know, I did most of my formative years were in California. Nobody really loved God or Jesus there. That I, I mean, at least I was in kind of my crew. And so I was like, well, why would I ever think that way? Okay? Instead of the first time then that I actually opened up the Bible for myself, began to read that thing, all of a sudden truth came out. It confronted my brokenness and I had to deal with it. 
Okay, so let's not be this group think people, but rather let's be people who explore the scriptures, listen to the conviction of the Spirit, and then respond as such. Not people who just double up on their idolatry. That's, that's foolish. All right, here's the second one. Uh, and when the town clerk had quieted the crowd, he said, Men of Ephesus, who is there who does not know the city of Ephesians, the temple keeper of the great Artemis, and of the sacred stone that fell from the sky, which is probably a meteor that they found? Seeing then that these things cannot be denied, you ought to be quiet and do nothing rash. For you have brought these men here who are neither sacrilegious nor blasphemers <clears throat> uh, of a goddess. If therefore Demetrius and the craftsmen with him have a complaint against anyone, the courts are open, and there are proconsul. Let them bring charges against one another. But if you seek anything further, it shall be settled in the regular assembly. For we really are in danger of being charged with rioting today, since there is no cause that we can justify this commotion. And when he had said these things, he dismissed the assembly. Uh, the, this other response is, I think, is you begin to see people being peacemakers. Okay, so, so when there's idolatry confronted and pushed up against, I think there's this middle ground where it's not fully, and the next one we're going to is like full repentance and right belief, but it's kind of this middle ground where you create a space to navigate this truth. And, and sometimes I think that for some of us in the room, that, that's where we need to go first, right? We, some of it is just, man, I'm convicted, but I need to explore this and figure this out. I need to learn more, right? I need to understand, okay, well, the idolatries in my life, I'm not just going to go and not think about it and do the same thing I did on the front end, just buying into one ideology and then switching to another. But I want to have space and time to really think through, man, why do I believe this thing and why should I believe this other thing? And to have this peacemaking opportunity, I think, is a way we can respond as the gospel truth confronts the idols of our heart that we create that space for other people and we create that space for ourselves. Because what happens here in the narrative is, is this guy, he's like, listen up, and he's the, the pro-counsel over the area, right? He's the guy who oversees the region when it comes to legal matters. He's like, listen, they're not doing anything that blasphemes our goddess, right? So in other words, Paul hadn't shown up in the city and started saying, hey, this is all the bad things about Artemis. He didn't do that. What he did was said, here's all the amazing things about Jesus. He evangelized. He heralded, he celebrated the gospel. And when the gospel is raised up, idols flee. Did you hear that? So when, when the gospel is raised up, when Jesus is preached, idols cannot compete with real truth. They just can't. And, and, and so the, the imploring option is to create space where the gospel can be learned and understood and studied and learned about. Because not, not, listen, not everyone, and uh, listen, Anthony was a youth, uh, youth leader, youth pastor for years, and just tell me story upon story of, of this, the camp thing, right? Where all, all these students go to camp, and in an instant, they accept Christ, and they come up to the altar, and it's great, but nothing really changes when they get back to school on Monday, right? But, but over time, when given space, so they learn and develop and understand what Christ has done and what the gospel is, and there is flourishing, there is hope, because he is raised up, not just an emotional moment where, man, he seems really good, but rather he is raised up to be seen truly for who he is, God of the universe, Savior for all people. So, so preach the gospel. So much of, I think, our time in the church is spent attacking and tearing down the other things of this world. And, and there is a place for that, certainly. Okay. But I guarantee you, and I can, I'll talk, and, and there's names and there's faces already that I see in the room of people that are running through my mind that I know would admit to this to you. That no matter how much you tell a person that's addicted to alcohol, stop that, that's going to destroy you. Okay? It's just not going to stop overnight. 
it's not just going to just go away in a blip. Now, some people have that story. understand that if you know someone that story, amazing. Praise the Lord. But, but usually there's, there's this, this space of learning. But oftentimes the way we treat the alcoholic is we continue to slam their alcoholism and say, this is, this is terrible and this is what it's doing and da, 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 and we just lay into them thick. And there's a, place, there's a place for the calling out of that. But I guarantee you that long-lasting change will never happen for anyone until they find a better idol. And there's only one idol that will drive away the rest. And so we spend all this time attacking and tearing down and beating up the idols of the day. When I think we need to spend more of that time just heralding and talking about how much better Jesus is. Listen, money will destroy you. We get it, okay? Like if the love of money is, will destroy you, it, it is fleeting, etc. But listen, you will not understand how bad it is until you understand how much better Jesus is than money. Until you understand that, listen, like it doesn't matter what I have in my account if I have not Christ. It, it does not, it will not fulfill. But you won't understand that until you found something better. And so what I'm calling us to as a church is to herald Jesus more than we do. I'm talking about when you guys are in your small groups, when you're with your husbands and wives, when you're with your kids, when you're just at work. It doesn't have to be, okay, for all you people who work with a bunch of non-Christians or even Christians that are just caught up in sin or whatever it may be, I, mean, I would encourage you not to just spend all this time talking about why their sin is bad. Start talking about all this time about why Jesus is better. Like celebrating the gospel. Why the gospel has set you free, has set the world free. Why Jesus came when he did not have to come. And he lived the life we could never live, the life we strive to, but always fail at. He lived that, that he died the death that every single person in this world deserved to die for us. And that he rose from the dead to give new life. And herald that story over and over and over and the implications of that on your life. And I think oftentimes, the reason why I, and the reason why I think many of us don't do that, is because we don't even herald it to ourselves all that often. I think we often just kind of assume the gospel. If you're a Christian, I think we assume the gospel all the time. Yeah, it's good. It saved me. He did this amazing thing. I believe it. And I'm, I, I want to fall in love with the gospel. Uh, I, I want to see it bigger than I see it. Right? I, I want to know it deeper than I know it. And if that's true, then it, it can't just be this this simple pop in, pop out, maybe I'll open up the Bible when I want to, maybe I'll talk to my Christians, maybe I'll live in, no, it's like, man, the Bible has told us, man, there are things that will help us understand and embrace and love Jesus and the gospel more, so we should probably do them. And so, to wrap up, I'm out of time. Jesus is better than all this. And so the third response for all those in the room that would seek to really pursue him, it's it's repentance and right belief. It's when the gospel comes in and calls out our idols. And, and I mean, it's always doing it to me. I guarantee it. When it comes in and calls out the idols of my life, man, I can say no and continue in my ways. I can say, well, look, you know, I'm going to learn more. But I want it to point to and move us towards our third. And I think the response the gospel demands ultimately is repentance and right belief. That we'd say, you know what, you're right. Like, this whole thing about money and chasing that idol, that's foolishness. Because Jesus is better than that. Reorienting the way our minds and hearts understand and believe 
the idols of our day and the gospel story. So I, I don't know what the idols are in your life. I'd love to sit down or you can just ask the person on the left or right of you. They, usually you'll find that people around you, especially your spouse, knows your idols more than you do. Okay? Like, and they will oftentimes bring it up. Let them. Ask them. Like, like leave today and ask people around you that you trust and that know you well. Hey, what are the things you think, when you think of me, what do you think I idolize? And then listen. And if you need space to, you know, enter into the scripture, study, learn, re reorient, great. But if you're ready, man, repent of that junk. And have right faith and right belief that says, no, 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 Jesus is better than all that. Amen? Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you are better than all the stuff that could be offered. And, and Lord, in that pursuit of, of being told you're better, um, I pray, God, that we would, uh, man, I, I do pray, God, that we would repent of the idols of our lives, God, whether it be these individual things like money or status, or God, or if it be, God, just these, these corporate levels of identity and pride and, and we're this and we're that, God. God, the truth is we are, we are nothing without you. God, you give, uh, you give life, you give hope. God, you say, you tell us in Colossians, Lord, that you hold the world together, that all things are made through you and by you and for you. God, so we see you rightly. And that as a church, as Christians, we preach the gospel, we evangelize, we celebrate and herald Jesus and the work that you have done, the power of the Spirit in the world today. God, and then idols would just flee because you're better than all that. For all of us in the room, myself included, God, who don't always believe that truth, that you're just better than the, the stuff this world offers, Lord, I pray, God, that you would come in, Holy Spirit, convict us, shape us, and transform us from the inside out, that we would see clearer than we've seen before, because you have eyes to see, and we have ears to hear the good news and truth. Jesus, we love you in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, now we're going to move into a time of reflection and this is a time just to process through the last, uh, really the last hour since you guys showed up here, what God's doing, what he's saying through his word, and what it looks like for you guys to reflect. But I want to leave you with a text um, because I don't want to leave the sermon and have it just have been focused on us, me just saying, hey, these other idols are bad. I want to make sure you understand that Jesus is better. And so I'm going to read just from John chapter 1, 1 through 17. I'll read this over you guys, and we'll take a little time to reflect. And then uh, Anthony will be up. Please send time response. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him not anything made was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory is of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. For from him, his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. 
But grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Let's reflect.